Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Joining us from New York City is Tim Bontemps. Hello, everybody. Joining us from Denver. And we've been we've been needling him, Bontemps, about not being with the series. Now I'm home. Oh, he's in Denver. So first time for I'll everything. Be, I'll be catching up with you tomorrow. I'll be catching up with you tomorrow. It's Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. Hey, don't feel bad. I made a pit stop at home last night. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, he doesn't fly. He doesn't do anything before the double-digit hours, I've learned during this finals. If you want to do something with him at 9, 8, 9.30 in the morning, he's not showing Listen, up. Listen, the, guy, the I, important I did not people say have that. their own schedule. The important people have their that. own schedule. I said I once got demoted from a job because I told one of the bosses I don't operate before double digits. I'm not trying to get demoted from ESPN, so don't put it out there, Wendy. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. All right, joining us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, his new home, brand new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, Nick Nurse. Hello, Mr. Nurse. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we don't we don't tradition. recognize you without the initials on the on the forehead. Tradition. No, I was out there getting a little sunshine today and sporting my new do. I don't know. Oh wow! Do you and Wendy use the same <laughs> product? Kidding. It looks good. It's a, it's a do. It's the only do without a hat. <laughs> it's a, the the. Now you know why I wear a hat. <laughs> Listen, uh, a few years ago we had you on the podcast. Then you won the championship. A few year, like a year later, we had Michael Malone on the finals podcast, and you know he's on the verge of winning the championship. Maybe a year or so from now, we'll have Michael Malone back, or have another coach back, and you'll be. We're talking about Nick Nurse trying to get one more win for the 76ers. I like how Brian is taking credit for your title here, Nick. That's good work on his part. (laughs) It's all part of the long range plan of getting back to the title. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Rev. The the Reverend. (laughs) The Rev. I I think Nick would say every time he's a a first year head coach with a new team, he wins a championship. That's right. That's the trend that he's trying to continue here. (laughs) I will say this. We've well, we've heard some of your stories over the years about coaching overseas and coaching in the G League. You've won championships all over, like at every level. But it had to be nice, you know. You become a, a coaching free agent, and like a whole bunch of teams wanted to talk to you. Like th- that must be, a, you know, considering that you, you know, what you had to go through to get your first NBA job. The fact that you had so many teams interested in you this time around, that can't be too bad. No, that was that was uh, interesting. I did it didn't kind of look that way when. Um... I became a free agent. It looked like there was, and then all of a sudden it seemed like about after every loss, there was a, there was a, a another job open. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, it was interesting. It was quite the um, experience there for five or six days. Um, seemed like I was in a, in a city talking to somebody not in the city of the team. It seemed like I was in Detroit talking to Phoenix and in Miami talking to Philly. And then, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was strange kind of trying to figure it all out, but very happy with where it landed. I, I'm, I'm, um, got some history with Daryl. I think the ownership here is amazing. Um, obviously good team. I've, I've wrestled with these guys a lot over the, the last couple <laughs> of years. So, so do, do know the team pretty well. So super excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I can only well, imagine what that call with Joel was like when, uh, <laughs> when you were getting the job. 
Well, you know what? It was, it was, it was good. It was, um, I've had a couple, you know, kind of maybe two or three kind of longish, I would say meetings with him and, and, you know, that whole thing, I didn't really realize how much we were going at it, uh, kind of, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, but I happened to catch a few while I was in Philly on this, you know, sports news. And I was like, man, not, now I know what everybody's talking about. You know, they were always <laughs> like, they were always, they were always, uh, I don't know what they were very spirited, but never like, uh, you know, they were, they were, he was making, he was making valid points and I was trying to make my own valid points, you know, back and forth with each other. And, uh, and then as that went on through the years, it, it just kind of turned into a, uh, he'd come out at the jump ball and he'd look over and glare at me and I'd glare at him and we'd both kind of <laughs> smile and get get ready to go at it again, you know? So he's, he's an interesting, interesting guy. Good, good dude. Yeah. What, what was that process like for you? Like you said, you were obviously bouncing around from meeting to meeting. It's almost sort of like a college recruitment tour felt like in some ways going from kind of one thing to the next. What, what was that like? Cause obviously you're going into these meetings and you're talking about, you know, specific things with each of these organizations and kind of analyzing them all, like, you know, sort of what was going through your mind as you were trying to bounce from, you know, one team to another for, you know, over the course of four or five days and analyze the different jobs and talking to different people and figuring out what you might want to do. Yeah. I would imagine it's, it'd be like, you know, the other way around when the teams are interviewing a whole bunch of people and they get a kind of, it's very informative. It was very informative to to listen to, you know, their side of the story or them ask me how I saw their side of the story and and bounce a lot of things off. And, you know, and you don't really know a lot of these people. Obviously, some of them I was meeting for the first time or you meet them, meet them and talk to them a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're spending some pretty intense, long hours with them, you know, talking about things. But mostly it was just interesting and informative. Yeah. So aside from you uh, agreeing with Embiid that he doesn't get nearly enough calls now, what what are the type of things that you guys are talking about? Like, do you come in there with points of emphasis of things that you, you know, want to work with him? You know, maybe wrinkles to the offense. Does he come in the same way? What what do you guys, what do those discussions look like? Yeah, I mean, I think is a very good team and and I don't I don't know where you guys kind of saw them this year, but I saw them as a team with a chance. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're in a they're I did for sure with the chance right and and I I I felt that way as well. Um, so I don't think it's a this is not a transformational type job where you're where you're like got to change. You know I think they're very very close and you already kind of said it. It's probably wrinkles and tweaks and and um, got to dig into it a little more before I figure out what some of that stuff is. But I think a lot of it's just going to be. Um, a vision of, of trying to get where everybody wants to go and, and then, then a plan that, that aligns with that vision. You've got a busy summer, man, because uh, so you're coaching, you're, you're integrating with your new team. I know you're, it's typical for a coach to have meetings face to face or on the phone with mm-hmm. new players. You've got to assemble a staff and then you're coaching the Canadian national team this summer in the world cup. And you guys are, there's free agency a, as well. Free agency. I think there might be free agent in Philly. I don't remember. Draft, summer league, free agency. Yeah. So you're uh, Rev, just like you, man. It's 12 months a year, <laughs> oh, man. Hey. As we hear all the time. As we hear all the time. You guys got an absolutely brutal draw. Brutal draw in the world in the World Cup. But you're a live team, man. You guys got a shot at this sucker. 
um, your U16 team toe to toe all the way to the championship today. And uh, it's a, you know, you got, that's a, you got a, you got a busy summer, Nick. Yeah, I sure do. Um, we're, we're, we're working, Good question. We're, we're working pretty hard. We're working pretty Open ended. Hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, you're, you're right. I'm trying to just prioritize it. Obviously the short term things, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm just about finished up seeing all the players face to face here for the Sixers should, should have that done by the end of this week. Um, uh, hiring staff simultaneously. We're, we're getting, getting closer on that. And, and, uh, and then obviously we'll be here for draft, putting a summer league team together and we just kind of take it step by step. Um, and as far as Canada goes, you know, we've done a lot of, we've had a lot of, uh, consistency or um you know we got a lot of the staff working together that we stayed together through this whole last three-year run and and those guys are those guys are doing great as far as organizing things and getting us ready to go and rowan barrett and and um michael bartlett at team canada are, are ready and fired up Jamal Murray and Shea Gildas Alexander. Now that's a backcourt. So <laughs> that's not bad. I, I don't know if Jamal's going to play this summer, but I'll bet he's going to play next summer. And uh, if you can get qualified for those Olympics and uh, whoo, look out. <laughs> that's yeah, a good backcourt. <laughs> there's some, there's some good guys. I think there's some great commitment. I think, I think you're right. Jamal's going, you know, he's going about as far as he can go this year. It looks like. So um, <laughs> and it should be a short turnaround for him, but we'll see. He's always been very, committed um you know and it's been, not been easy for him obviously with the, with some of the injuries and stuff but Shea's super committed you know Lou Dort um Dwight Powell Kelly Olenek Big Zach is in the in the mix um and we're looking forward to seeing I think Zach yeah, Zach Eady people player, people don't realize Zach Eady national college player of the year yeah uh, and a lot of other guys that I didn't talk about too so there's there's a there's a team there yeah you, um, you obviously were, you know, speaking of Canada, you when as, as Tim said earlier, you took over the Raptors 2018, led to the title. And as we all know, the Raptors had a bunch of times they'd fallen short in the playoffs. And part of, I think, you taking that job was kind of, and obviously Kawhi helped with this, mm-hmm. was sort of resetting the mindset of where the franchise could go in the postseason. Obviously, we all know that Philly has gotten to the second round, including that epic series against you guys, including this year against Boston, had a bunch of close calls in the second round to keep bumping up against the ceiling of getting out of the second round. You talked about this a little bit when you got introduced, but is part of your job to try to reframe that and have that become something for you guys to attack as a group instead of it sort of being something that's hanging over your heads, especially in a city where everybody's ready to get negative about something <laughs> yeah i mean i think that um it, it's reality right there's there's two things you look at it it's reality it's the truth it's not it's where we are you know it's what's happened and it's where we are but i don't really see i see each season as kind of its own entity and what's happened in the last whatever how many years as will have no bearing in my mind and that's my message going forward and that's that's two things. You got to acknowledge it. Like, you know, we're going to get judged on whether we, how we play in the playoffs. Right. I don't think, I don't think 45, 55, 65 is going to matter that much. It's going to be, you know, uh, how far you go in the playoffs. So you, I think you acknowledge that as a fact and you be mindful of, of, of that. And that, that means, you know, you kind of got your short-term goals, but there is some, 
there is a there is a plan to get through the the entire season and be ready to to be really good at the, at the playoff time. So the, yeah, your press conference was pretty. You, you know, I think for the Philly fans are coming in there ready to fire off. Uh, not fans, but the Philly media was coming there ready to fire from the hip, and you just you were like, no, 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 I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do your job for you. I'm gonna come out and say exactly what you're trying to get me to say. You were. <laughs> you 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 were you came you came with your game face on that that, that press conference well it was you know i don't uh, i'm gonna you guys have talked to me enough i'm gonna try to tell you what i see is is <laughs> as the way i see it you know and if um if i don't quite answer it one way i guess you can go ahead and answer it and ask me another way or <laughs> you know try to get to the to the, right. to the answer you know that we're that we're all that we're all happy with in the end yeah that reminds me when Rick Carlisle once asked me, how many ways do I want to ask him the same question? And my reply was one, you have an answer, <laughs> <laughs> which was true. I just kept asking the same question. He, he answered it with his eyes and I moved on to the diff, to the next subject. <laughs> so Nick, back in 2019, when you brought the title home to Toronto, you guys were up three, one coming home. And the circumstances of that finals were a little different and that Kevin Durant was coming back from injury. So there was this belief that the Warriors uh, might have a rally within them. So it's not exactly apples to apples, but the situation that the Nuggets are in here, 3-1, they have been an extremely impressive team down the stretch here. They have won 9 out of 10 games ever since the Suns, uh, even uh, the series, that series that they had in the second round, the 2-2, they've won 9 out of 10. Uh, Miami has lost 6 of 8. It's actually kind of hard to get to the finals and lose six eight, but they did it. <laughs> they they and, lost four uh, straight home games, which seems impossible to do uh, as a finals team. But they've well, except they played the Boston Celtics. We know that it's it's very possible, <laughs> <laughs> right? Which is one of the reasons why I think they've won uh, four of the last five uh, road games in That's the right. uh, in the playoffs. Um, so you've kind of been in this situation before, and you guys, and then Durant got ended up getting hurt, and you lost that game. Uh, before coming back and winning in game in game six, where you guys went three and zero to close Oracle Arena, unstoppable force that, that the Warriors were at Oracle. They lost their last three games there uh, to you guys. But anyway, um, so we saw Michael Malone today and the Nuggets players with their mindset of you know we're not actually up three one, we're down three one, which you know is not true. But you've actually got a unique perspective on this because this was the ball was in the same court for you guys a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean. Um... I was, I was thinking about that today that um, you obviously playing very good. You think you got a lot of the game plan right where you want it. Um, boy, winning at home, you're starting to think it, man, won't this be awesome if we can close this thing out in our own city. And, and uh, you know, I think we were up six with about three minutes to go in that game. Um, amazing. Uh, time out for a little rest and regroup turn the tide the uh, the other direction uh they came okay i think they hit three straight threes and ended up you know taking that one from us at home but i think um yeah i mean it's it's you feel like you're thinking let's let's do it now we don't want to go back there you know all those things because if you do go back then all of a sudden you know <laughs> you know yeah you're battling a, a road game i don't i don't know i think i think um I don't think the series is over. I know. I know Denver's been great. I think. I think Miami will will give them everything they want tomorrow. I think that closeout game is super hard, and and you know, even no matter how, what it looks like as it's going down there, it can change in the last few minutes, and you can sneak it. You know, sneak out of there and go 
keep the series alive. I think I think it'll be a I think it'll be a good game. Well, and you guys were you guys were a similar team in the sense that um, you know Denver has obviously never won a title. You guys had never won a title. It was the first time in the finals, and you know I remember seeing you that weekend, and there was sort of this weight of expectations of finally getting over the hill and finally winning the title and doing that in a city. What what is sort of going? And obviously, you guys ended up doing it in Game Six, but like just as you're coming down the final couple games of that, knowing sort of what it means in the the market you're in sort of like kind of what are those final couple of days like as you're trying to stay focused on what you have to do, but also knowing sort of what, what's at stake and what it means to the city to get over the line and get that done. It's, I think, I think, uh, you know, coach Malone said it the other day, or maybe it was yesterday. He said something about don't, don't turn on your TV. Don't read the, you know, don't get on the internet. Don't, don't let everybody tell you how great you are. I remember saying those exact, I mean, I was doing everything humanly possible not to see anything that was being written. You know, the only times you ever get, you know, somebody will text you, you know, like one of your friends will text you an article or something. You'll see the headline and you're like, stop texting me that stuff. I'm trying to stay away. But anyway, I think he's said that. And I think that's the right thing to do. It's It's hard. I think, um, you know, to kind of keep your heart, your hardness about you. If, if a million people are patting you on the back all the time, telling you how great you are and you're letting that sink in, that's, that's the first battle um, to, to keep in mind. But, but you're right. I think there's some similarities where we kind of felt good because we were getting performances, you know, one night it'd be Serge have a big night, you know, and Fred would have a big night. And then, you know, then Danny Green would throw some in and that, you know, just like it was just it just kind of felt like we didn't really know where stuff was going to come from. But we felt like we had so many chances of getting it from, you know, four or five, six different guys. And I think that's probably what Denver feels like right now. They have so many people chip, not, not chipping in, mm-hmm. but playing great at certain nights. You know, it's more than chipping in. It's it's like they're 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 delivering big time, but it's moving around a little bit. You know what I mean? More Hoop Collective podcast after this. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Yeah, obviously the face of the Nuggets franchise, Joker has been here for years and, you know, they've been able to build around him and get pieces that fit really well with him. Whereas you guys were unique in the sense that there was a a very good team that wasn't good enough to get over the hump. And then they make this huge trade to bring in Kawhi, who 
I don't know if you can say a guy who was there one year was the face of the franchise, but obviously he's the superstar. He's the guy that everything revolves around. What was that dynamic like to say, okay, hey, we made this huge trade, you know, to try to put us over the hump to 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 have a championship team and kind of knowing the whole time this might be a one and done type of situation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. I think that even in some of my first meetings with Kawhi, it was kind of like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go for it this year. And I don't know what's gonna happen after that. And I was like, that's cool. Let's go for it this year. You know, like mm-hmm. let's go for it right away. And I think um he certainly like just like just like Joker does. I mean, he certainly has a um uh elevation effect to other people, just a confidence and a in a in a swagger that kind of permeates to others um but yeah i mean it didn't seem like we were just trying to do the best we could you know it didn't seem like it was oh my god we know we only got one chance and we got it you know we weren't in that we were just like let's look at the next game let's put a great game plan together let's try to adjust to where we think we need to and let's go let's really go play hard and play defense and let that carry us when things get rocky you know was there a point where you went from hoping that that could be a championship team to believing that you had a championship team? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, immediately when the the trade was made, I was like, okay, this is like a legit chance now. I mean, mm-hmm. right away, but, but, but you didn't know where Kawhi was. He hadn't played forever. Right. So I didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't really know if that was even going to be a thing maybe either. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty early on. Right. Like, um, I don't remember exactly, but I think we might have went out like 13 and two. And I was like, this is a really good team. Um, so the, this team's got a chance, like a really good chance. And uh, but, you know, I think I think um, thinking back even further, we got beat Orlando game one of round one and um, game one curse. Yeah, we had a little talk. We had a little talk <laughs> after that game and the way we played in game two. I don't know what we ended up winning that by, but I think it was in the 30s or something, 35 or I don't know what it, but it was a, a defensive performance that I hadn't seen before. And I was like, okay, now, like I told them after the game, I said, okay, if we're going to play like this, we're, we can go as far as you guys want to go. And they just kind of kept building from there. I think you, when you were an assistant in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys played against the Heat in the playoffs. I think that's true. 2016. Uh, First round. So 2016. Yeah, anyway, we, what I'm asking, what I'm trying to get to is what it's like to go up against. Second there. round. Second round. Seven gamer in the second round. Second round. Yep. Seven gamer. Right. Rain wave. Yep. What it's like to go up against Eric Spolstra uh, from a coaching standpoint in the playoffs. Cause I'm talking, yeah. you know, on the side to some of these nuggets coaches mm-hmm. and they're just like, this is a bear, man. I mean, you know, they're doing great. They're in great shape. They're three, one, but this is a bear. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think it's a bear. Every time regular season playoffs or whatever, like uh, we've had some, we got a little, little kind of under the radar rivalry that, that like when our two teams line it up, man, like both squads just, I mean, they just, they just get after it. I mean, and they know we, you know, so it's like, I don't know, like, you know, I can just remember things like, uh, I don't know, we're going to start the game full court man to man press, you know, we're going to, we're going to start pressing before they do or, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or we're going to go zone before they do, or, you know, like, like it's a, it's a, it's an aggressive uh, mindset that you better come with and be, re- you know, like you better, you better be ready for that and understand that. And we talk about it all the time when we're getting ready to play them. 
super fun, super fun, super competitive. And, you know, we, 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 uh, he's, he's a great coach, obviously, and he's going to do some things, you know, that, that are going to disrupt you and you got to be ready for him. And, but it's really fun to prepare for him and get ready to play him for sure. That dynamic, the coaching staffs during a playoff series, you, um, you know, each game ends, you kind of look down, you kind of give them a little wave <laughs> and then you and you turn your back and like, all right, let's go kick their ass. You know, like if you, you know, it's the, the interplay between the staffs, it's all, it always is that way. Um, but just, uh, you know, you guys go back into your bunker and cook up what you cook up. I mean, it's, uh, it's always interesting to watch. I think. Well, the hard part is you gotta, you know, as soon as one's done, you start, you start trying to think, okay, now what are they, you know, what are they going to do now? And you, I mean, you know, you, you just got to throw everything out there and see what makes sense. And you do a lot of, you know, praying that you get some, hopefully get some ideas that that'll come to you out, you know, that, that you think, oh yeah, that's, they're going to switch this matchup and put him on him. And, and then they do it. And you're like, oh, thank, thank goodness that idea came, came from somewhere, you know, or whatever. And, but, you know, it's like you, you do the best you can, but mostly it's when the ball goes up that you got to start seeing what they're actually doing and then what you're ready to do to combat it. And hopefully you've talked about that a little bit. By the time you get to game five, though, is there a lot of stuff that's really left to go back and forth on at that point? Or if by the time you're four or five games in, is it largely played out in terms of back and forth? And at that point, is it more who's going to execute their stuff better at that point? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of like I've heard you you say a lot. I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to are, are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna make you know for creating good shots. Yeah, that's one thing. But at some point in a game four or five, you got to make them, right? Like if you know you the creation's one thing, and you can say, oh, we're getting good ones. They'll eventually go in. But you're at the stage now where you you got to not only create them, you better you better start knocking them down. But it's you know back to the first part of your question. I would say yes, but I think that, I mean, who knows, like at this point, you know, you get to a stage of like, you know, like we can't stop this thing they're doing anyway. So why don't we do something really wild here? And, you know, what do we got to lose? Just try, just try yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. So I could see, I could see something, you know, that we haven't seen tomorrow or something, you know, a little bit outside the box tomorrow. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, you know, Jamal Murray from team Canada. Um, and he, he's a guy who, it's crazy. He's never been an all-star, but I think he's been so good in the playoffs, not just this year, obviously the bubble as well, that to me, he's earned superstar status. Uh, what about him makes him unique in terms of kind of his mentality and his approach? Well, I think, I think you just kind of rate him a plus in a lot of areas. Like, like he's, he competes, like he's not afraid to just, you know, really compete. He's not afraid to take like, almost any shot, you know, like, like, you know, that, that he's going to keep firing and he's going to keep creating space and he's going to, he's going to bump you hard and get away from you and creates, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I just, and again, I'd rate him like a plus on attitude, you know, just, 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 just character, all these things that toughness, all these things that you may not think that that are going on out there. It's all about just winning or all-star appearances or whatever, but this guy's a plus worker, teammate you know like like there's so many things that you could throw characteristics you could throw under him and it's great for him to kind of for me for you know I think it's great for everyone to see him back it up with like these monster numbers and and possibly a title so when you have a guy like Jokic I'm not sure there's anybody in the league quite like him 
and especially ever when you don't have yes, bold, uh, another bold statement. <laughs> thank you. That's what I'm here for. It'd be one thing if you have a giant center to, to lean up against them like Joel Embiid, but they don't. And so what basically what Spolstra has done, what the Heat have done in this series is they've made this series kind of about defending Murray. Like the Heat are throwing everything at him. The the Nuggets are coming back. I, I actually I totally understand the strategy. Like this is a series where this is a, a guy who's so incredibly talented that you really have a hard time slowing him down. Um, I don't remember seeing that too often, uh, even when you had LeBron or, you know, um, Steph, uh, you had certain things that you would do to try to directly impact them. This is a, a finals. And they correct me if you think I'm wrong, Nick, where his, the, the force that he plays with and the intelligence he plays with and what he does is so amazing that you can't even really go at him. That, that's the way that he'd have played this series. Yeah, it, it makes it tough. I would say that um, I'm going to say something a little bit off the thing that really like gets discouraging, even when I'm watching here, is when he comes down the lane and he veers one way off to the right side of the rim and they always go in. Like you finally you finally <laughs> think you've made him move it over here and he's and, he, and he's. It's it's going way right, and somehow it, it's like there's a magnet like it, in the ball. Yes. I, I like, was just gonna say like that soul crushing. Like like you think, oh, that's way off, and then it bounces and it bounces, and somehow it, it funnels. And he actually missed a couple last game, but mm-hmm. but until then, he he can throw it way right one time, way to the left side of the rim, way long, and then it nestles in, and and that that's like. That's unbelievable. I don't know how he does that. And I've never seen that in my life. Like so many shots that look off target that somehow find their way in the bottom of the net. Um, Some people from Philly might remember a Kawhi shot doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was a little short. It was a little short. <laughs> <laughs> not, too, not, not too short. It wasn't too short. <laughs> but hey, you know, that's it. That's I said that in the press conference too. You know, they're like, well, you know, the bounce of the ball sometimes really, really impacts a game and, and all that stuff. But, you know, you know, just going back, there's just, there's just so much. I think the other part is he gets his, he gets a lot of offensive rebound. He doesn't jump and somehow like move space and sticks that big arm up there and pulls them down. And those are, those are discouraging too, because you, you got, you're too small or too, you know, you just moves everybody mm-hmm. over and stands there and you got to somehow figure out how to, come flying in from somewhere else. He'll get some, a lot of extra presenting. Usually he'll dump those off to somebody else for a layup or something or an open three. He just does a lot of, you know, those are, those are spiritual plays. You know, they hurt, they, <laughs> they hurt the spirit of yes. the other team a lot, you yeah. know, and, and they help they yeah. boost his teams, you know? So there you go. When you were interviewing with Daryl, did you guys discuss like lobbying points for Embiid's MVP campaign? Or is now that he's got one, is that is that no longer a priority for the franchise? We we did we did not discuss that at all. <laughs> Thank you. Good question. <laughs> I was Am gonna I... say, did he bring out any like uh officials uh, analysis of officiating <laughs> from like 2017? Because I know he keeps those in a special folder. It's always at the ready. He's got it. He's got, he doesn't have it on a folder. He's got everything on his laptop. Whatever you just couple, ask a question, couple clicks later. There's your answer. Yeah. Right. A lot of info. Well, one thing you probably did talk about though, was James Harden. And I know you said at your presser that the best argument for him to stay is that if he wants to win, it's a good place for him to be because it's that you think you guys have a chance. I was curious uh, without saying too much, if you've been able to meet with him yet and what 
your conversation with him have been like? And assuming he is back with you guys, you know, obviously that Embiid hard and pick and roll has been about as good a play as there's been in a league. We're talking a lot about Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. Those guys have been about as good as you can do in the pick and roll the last couple of years. Where do you see the combination of those two guys and with them, Tyrese Maxey, in terms of ways you can further augment what they've been able to do on the court if you can get changed back this summer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, I did meet with them. Really good talk. I mean, you guys, you guys have obviously know him and have talked to him quite a bit. He's, he's an intelligent player, man. He's an intelligent player. He, he sees a lot in the game. And, and just, you know, when when he, we talk about things, he kind of same thing, almost like, a, you know, he says, how do you how do you see it? <laughs> how do you see our team? And what would you would you think of the playoffs? And, you know, just kind of start talking basketball. And he's very enjoyable to talk basketball with. Um, like I said, very, very smart and had a, and a lot of experience, a lot of success. Um, and I would say, you know, the same thing. I mean, it is a deadly, you know, inside outside combination. It is a deadly pick and roll combina- combination. And just what other things can we do to, to polish? What other areas of, of the offensive side can we, can we do to polish that? make make them even more efficient not not in those kind of actions but maybe other actions you know um and then you know what's the best thing we can do defensively to to max those guys out yeah harden is i thought he had a pretty excellent year this year um if you if you take the standard as when he was the mvp okay maybe it wasn't the same but he's older now and he's in his mid-30s um and he single-handedly won high level playoff games by himself he didn't have the greatest finish that series but um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot going for him still. He's a highly coveted player in that regard. And, um, I know I'm sure that he's watched you and your team's coach as well. It's just, it's just, it's a two-way street to a certain extent. I mean, he's seen what you've done. Uh, your guards have been pretty good in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I didn't answer the rest of Tim's question there too. And I think we've already talked about this too. I would say there isn't a whole lot of guys that can do the performance, some of those performances that he did in the playoffs, right? But you can't, nobody, you know, Steph had one, Tatum had one, James had a couple, you know, like, like there's, there's, nobody's doing that every night, nor should they, or should they be expected to, and going back to Tim, you know, yeah, like, like Maxie's got to take a level, level up. He's got to, he's got to play in some of those other game, you know, some of those other games when those guys aren't, firing or the game plan has changed or whatever to take those guys out a little more Tobias um, PJ Tucker will be back I mean there's there's guys there around there that that can help Melton you know those guys gotta do what some of these nugget guys are doing you know have some big time performances in some of the playoff games as well and you mentioned you had a relationship with Daryl Morey you know as, as you were coming into the NBA you were the head coach of the Rockets G League franchise uh, how much interaction was there with you and Daryl? And, you know, were you involved at all with, with the Rockets as far as like any kind of off season or training camp? Was there any kind of relationship with Harden at that point with you? There wasn't then with Harden, um, but with Daryl, there was, uh, obviously I was down in the Rio Grande uh, Valley coaching, but when that season would end, we'd have a lot of, this time of year, we'd have a lot of long days watching film, getting ready for draft picks and talking basketball, you know, is, is, um, a lot of good learning, <laughs> learning mm-hmm. nights for me late, late into the night, you know, with those guys just talking about players and talking about, um, you know, hoops in general. 
so yeah there was we spent we spent quite a bit of time together in those those days 2012 2013 i believe something like that that was uh get up and go like you you guys played in uh rio grande valley the way uh the way the rockets played too like uh high speed right that's what you what you believed in yeah that was kind of you know back in some of the um what would you say experimental stages of that you know you were the laboratory right yeah yeah and that was that's part of the reason i took the job daryl was like it's a laboratory down there we're gonna do he's like here's what we here's what we think will win can you like find an offense that gets these kind of shots and things like that and I'll, you know we'll try we'll try to you know play around with it and stuff so yeah it was good good part of the reason i took the job because i thought it'd be a huge learning coaching experience mm-hmm. well you you're an experimental coach in the nba too you, you do some stuff that other 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 teams don't do you're, you're not afraid i mean it was it, it was one thing when you played box and one in the in the finals i mean that itself was but you're you know you'll triangle and two you'll 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 do some crazy stuff out there um uh you know i think that's that's one of the things you become known for i don't know if you want to be known for but that's certainly one of the things you become known for in your career well most of that stuff just comes out of necessity like we you know like a lot of times you say well we can't guard a man to man like like we're trying to guard a man to man ain't working so let's what's it look like you know and they say well you know, if, if Steph ever gets out there on his own, let's just make sure he doesn't shoot, you know, because he's killing us like like, you know, so let's let's uh, let's do some of that stuff. And, you know, that. Yeah, and it's just all like you look out there and you say this might be the best tactic to use and you throw it out there. And, and uh, if it doesn't. You know, you don't you go to the press conference and say I screwed it up. I, we, I, I had a talk with James about that. We ran the one time we had this. We had this diamond and one diamond and one we ran against Harden one time. He'd come off of like, I don't want to exaggerate though, but it seemed like he had a bunch of 50 point games in a row. Yeah. I don't know how many he years had, ago that was. I remember, yeah, I remember had, the game you're talking yeah, about, but that doesn't, it didn't even bother me. He shot something like from 22 to 27 free throws, like five games in a row. And I just this said, was, uh, this was when Daryl dubbed it the unguardable tour and had like t-shirts <laughs> printed. <laughs> so Daryl loves to print t-shirts. I said, listen, we're not going to go to the game tonight and I'll sit over here and watch this guy shoot 25 free throws. I just, it's not going to be that we're not going to do anything but that. So we, <laughs> we decided to pick him up man to man. And we had another guy kind of high at the top of the key. And as soon as he crossed half court, we doubled and, and like immediately doubled and just made him do something else. And we lost the game. So it didn't really, but how many did he have much <laughs> attention? He, you know what? He didn't have hardly any. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but he was down. He was down in the five, six, four, five, six range till till six minutes to go or something. Then he threw in a couple deep threes somehow, and he still made them. Like he finally got a couple, but he made it. Just blows me away how he has a shot of three all game, and then he finally gets open and he drains it anyway. You know, two in a row, and you're like, yeah, James has perfected that. Shoot, shoot the three and then fall on your butt on the way down. You never, he, he has no intention of actually landing on his feet. He's going to land on his butt on the way down. And I he, hope they protect he, the shooters next year. Oh, <laughs> you got to protect, got to protect the shooters. Absolutely. Them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, you got a couple foul, foul shooting machines. Now you you've talked about it a couple of times, but you were, you're obviously in Toronto for a decade. I mean, people listen to the pod might not know this, but you were an assistant for five years. 
under Dwayne Casey, and then you were the coach for five years. So just what has it been like having to move again and do all this stuff again, which, I mean, you, you know, as Brian alluded to, and people who listen to the pod know you've had a quite the tour around the world. It's not like this is your first time changing jobs, but it's certainly been a while since you've had to go through this process. I imagine, especially now with kids and stuff, it's been interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was t- 10 great years there, man. Uh, does it, doesn't, you know, how many, how many uh, NBA coaches and assistant coaches text me and said, I've never been any place more than three or two or four, or you know, all these guys. So it, it was amazing run. Um, just kind of, feel really super energized right now. It just kind of was time. I think it was time to, to, to go to a new team in a new city. And um, I'm super energized by it. Did any part of you during your search for a new job, consider going West just to kind of be able to avoid bond temps on a regular basis? (laughs) No, not because of that, (laughs) but just to, just to think that maybe it would be a, a fresher look. Yeah. There, there was some thought to to that going west i yeah this is going right down the street here and in your own division and all that stuff is is uh well that's what i told Masai when i got the job i said i was trying to get further away <laughs> this, is where, <laughs> this is where i ended up man i'm we're gonna see a lot of each other at, well they at, got out of paying yeah. your contract so yeah. i'm sure Masai, when some was happy that you got another job he probably knew though you were gonna get another job but um but uh it was a big day for today for Canadian sports. Are you aware of what happened today? No. Nick Did Taylor, it's... the golfer, won the Canadian Open. Oh, nice. By making oh, a 70... to talk golf. That's the first first time the Canadians won it in a while, right? Nick, you should look it up on YouTube when we're done here, uh, or Twitter. Um, uh, he made a 70-foot putt for Eagle on the fourth playoff hole. No way. And um, the, crowd, you know, the crowd went crazy, as you can imagine. We and talk Nick, about the PGA. And Adam Hadwin, who's another Canadian pro, came running out with a giant um, a giant uh, champagne uh, to, to spray him. <laughs> and security didn't recognize him. <laughs> Just pile drives him into the oh, 18th. Man. <laughs> but uh, it made me think. Remember that night in Toronto, uh, you guys lost game five. Remember Lowry had a shot from the corner. I thought he was going to make it. And it got tipped. Yeah. I think Clay yeah. tipped it pouring down rain nick our our producers <laughs> had decided to move the, the 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 crew outside it was pouring down rain in maple leaf square and it was going to be this iconic moment there was forty thousand people in the street yeah and it was pouring down rain but um still that was an all-time day in canada your parade will always be remembered one of the great days. In I Canadian like that you're tying. Sure. I like you're tying the Raptors winning the championship to the RBC Canadian Open, which I am four quite of our frankly sure. Yeah, hey, I got a Canadian <laughs> Open story for you. Can I? Can Please I give put it in here. Yeah. So I, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was a guest uh, in the pro am at the Canadian Open, and um, you know it's a big deal. You know, you get you go out there, and there's people in the. You know, I play golf. You know, I'm just out there like any any hack. But now I'm. I'm teeing up. There's a crowd there, you know, in the stands and, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Nick nurse, you know, and I put my ball down and absolutely pump one straight out of bounds (laughs) on hole one. And like, 
no claps. Like they don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> like, like, dead silence. And so I tee it up and hit it down there. We got we got a few claps out of that one. <laughs> I I choked in my in my Canadian uh pro am open debut. I pumped one straight out of bounds on number one. Gentlemen, I'm talking to a Canadian icon. I'm not you guys think I'm joking. The man is a Canadian icon. I, I was laughing another... at you comparing the Raptors McMahon. championship to the Canadian Open. That's that's what I was laughing about. I fa- in fact, I was comparing it. Wendy's trying to great days to, in Canadian you know history. I know Wendy. Wendy's trying to get a spot in the next Canadian Open program. That's what no this way. is all about. Nick, you I don't have the guts sick. to do that. I can't believe you had the guts to even. Who are you playing with? Do you remember? Yeah, that's what I'm I curious was, about. I who are you playing, in the program? Yeah, with? I was playing with all the uh, RBC. Uh, CEO and former CEO and all the vice president. Are, yeah, they were all oh, the, okay. All the sponsors. All right. You want to win a pro though? Don't you guys? Aren't you guys paired with a pro for that? I don't. I don't think so for that one. See, he no. was. This is my point. He, he was the, the draw. Well, he sure. was the draw. It was come watch yeah. Nick Nurse play golf until yeah, that oh, first oh, shot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. All right, Nick. Thank you so much for giving us time tonight. I know you're in the process of. Um, moving your whole life, getting yourself ready for a huge new, huge summer. So I will see you in Manila. I hope, hope I'll see you in Manila. You'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there. Okay, I think he was, implying, Wendy, I think he was implying that the Canadians might not make know, it to Manila, saying, which is hope, really a, we'll just a great way, Canadian. just a hey. great way to have our guests on the way out. Eh, maybe you'll get knocked out before you get the to Canadians the Canadians had, <laughs> the Canadians have a brutal draw. It's not a commentary on the Canadians. Uh, the it's team tough. you're playing the you're playing the French in the first game. Yep. And I will tell you that you know a few weeks ago when I was at the Victor Wembanyama lottery, it was all smiles in there as you can as you can imagine. But Vincent Collet, the French national team coach, I said, "Oh, about your draw," and then his his smile went away into a frown. <laughs> hey, he's got to take on the Canadians. Yeah, there's there's no five. judgment. No judgment. If you make it to Manila, it will have been a terrific accomplishment. This, but you start yeah. in Jakarta, I believe. Mm-hmm. So. Today, Friday. Philadelphia, tom- July, Las Vegas, August, Jakarta. Um, awesome. Thank you. What a blessing to be able to do all that stuff, man. Basketball <laughs> is Seriously, I'm not, man. I'm not going to cry like Doris Burke. It's a long way. It's a long way from the British Basketball League, huh? I was going to say, you and, don't have to and, drive the bus in any of those spots. And, and <laughs> a long way from Carroll, Iowa. Yep. That's certainly true, That's too. Right. Yep. All right. Thank you, Nick. Good Thanks, luck. guys. Awesome. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
Okay, thanks to Nick Nurse. Now it's time for trivia. And trivia on the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it for free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Tim Bontemps. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, Tim Bontemps. So we're a little premature with this, but Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray with one more win will go down as one of the highest scoring duos in a championship postseason of all time. They are currently averaging 56.8 points per game between the two of them. A lot. They will be among the top five all time. Who are the duos, the other four duos that are in the top five? Okay, so now, point of order. This is average. This is not total points, right? Average. Average Average scoring. Steph and KD KD. is in 2017. It would be third all time behind Jokic and Murray. Okay. Shaq and Kobe. Shaq and Kobe in 2001 is first. Okay. So we've got. There's two more. LeBron and Kyrie. Uh, No, not LeBron. Jordan Pippen. Jordan Pippen in 93 is fifth. Okay. So we've got three. One left. All right, one left. Uh, you are uh, Kareem Worthy. Nope. I was just a guess. Can you? Can you? Is uh, it before we were born, or is it after? Nope. We were born? Nope. 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 It's a. Nope. It's, it, it's. He it's, said before or after. It can't be nope to both. No, he he said before. <laughs> I'm sorry. He said before. I was saying no. It's not. A, it's not some sort of trick question. Huh. Bob okay. Pettit and somebody. Stop Bob Pettit and somebody. Okay, I'm just scrolling. I'll give you one more he's, guess. He's just looking LeBron and D Wade. <laughs> LeBron was in the answer, but it's not D Wade and it's not Kyrie. So that should tell oh, you. Oh, LeBron it is. and AD. LeBron yeah. and AD. That is they were fourth. All right. Okay. So Shaq and Kobe combined to average 59.8, and then Steph and KD was 56.6. LeBron and AD was 55.3. And Jordan and Scotty are 55-2. And as of now, Jokic and Murray would be second all time, which is pretty good. Yeah. It was interesting. The Nuggets here. are playing awesome right now. I don't know if anybody noticed. <laughs> yeah. Really well, it's, it's, sort, it's funny. The series is sort of a repeat of the conference finals where the Lakers didn't play badly. They The, the Nuggets just were better. And well, Miami Miami has, hasn't been amazing in this series, but they haven't been awful. But Denver's just been better. Well, we went into this saying we did not think that the Heat had enough offensive firepower to be able to beat the Nuggets in series. That has certainly played out. These games are, have been particularly low scoring because the Heat have succeeded in making the Nuggets yep. play in the mud. <laughs> but the Nuggets make the mud look pretty. I mean, well and, said. and Aaron Gordon, like Joker, by his ridiculously high standards, was pretty mediocre in game four. Right, eight, yeah, nine, eight for 19. Yeah, like 23 12, four assists. That's like a very pedestrian yeah. Joker performance. But Aaron Gordon just was bullying guys. And look, when Gordon hits three threes, like boy, those are the shots you're hoping he takes. Look, Good they want a game, but then he's just bullying guys and then cutting and catching lobs. And like they could just beat you in so many different ways. And they are, I think, about to go 16 and four. In the playoffs, and I don't want to hear anything about well, seven seed, eight seed. No, this has been one of the most dominant championship runs. I think that they're about to finish off that we've seen. 
Well, look, they won a game where their two stars went 13 for 36 in game four, right? Yeah. And to your point, to your point about the run, and Jokic was in foul trouble, and he tweaked right. his ankle. It didn't look like it slowed him yeah. down, but it might have. No, it, some, some, that was the, the everything was there for Miami to win that game and make this series two two, and Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon closed the door in the fourth quarter with Nikola Jokic sitting on the bench and Bruce exactly. Brown. When and Bruce, Bruce Brown, Brown had yep. eleven yep. of his twenty one. Yep, and, but and for Murray, who is a you know you think of Jamal Murray, he he's really. I mean, he's a point guard, but you think he's really kind of a two guard because Joker's their point center. You think of him as a scorer. For him to have a 12.0 assist performance when the Heat basically said, we're going to do everything we can to get the ball out of his hands, he basically says, fine, I'm going to distribute. My guys are going to light you on fire. And he's the first guy to have four straight 10-plus assist performances in a single finals since freaking Magic Johnson. This is a guy who's known as a scorer. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah, I I think the Heat, obviously, they're, you know, it's not, it's not that they're not throwing everything they can. I think the Heat's game plan worked. <laughs> and they still got beat. And yeah, that make, is the make somebody other than uh, Murray and Joe yeah. beat us. And guess what? Yeah. Aaron Gordon beat him and Bruce Brown beat him. So what well, was happening was yeah. when they, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no Zach Lowe when it comes to X's and O's, but when they would run the dribble handoff, which is what the play that killed uh, mm. the heat in game three, they doubled Murray very, very aggressively so that Murray really couldn't do anything. And so he would pass the ball to Jokic or sometimes Jokic wouldn't even give him the ball. And he would just look to see where the double team came from. And he would just throw it to that guy. It, yeah. And it wasn't and just him. got some wide open threes out of it. Yeah. Gordon's such a great cutter. Gordon got a bunch of buckets off of cuts. Yeah. He I mean, cut the back, back door to the, for the lob that one play. Uh, yeah. And to your point, Brian, the, the games have been low scoring because Miami, as Tim has said, succeeded in having these games be played at a slow pace because they can't win the games at a high pace because they can't keep up. But you know mm, what? Yeah. Denver still got a 118 offensive rating for the series because they're getting whatever they want, even though Miami is playing well. And to your point, Tim, about Denver's run, again, assuming they win and get you know get the 16-4 and four record, I think it's fair to say they haven't had the most difficult run of opposition over historically compared to champions in the past the difference though is that they have demolished the competition along the way like yeah. they this that's why to me it's such an impressive run like yeah there might not be an all-time iconic series here that denver's had in this run but denver has throttled everybody they've played and, and, and by the and end you- of the series they've played they've just taken the will out of their opponents and it's that's why despite you know, whatever you want to point to seeding wise or record wise or whatever, that to me is what's made this run really impressive is the way they've gone about taking care of their opposition. Right. I'm certainly not trying to hear any kind of nitpicking about, well, they played a, you know, whatever, a, an eight, a four, a seven, an right. eight. Because guess what? That four seed when they traded, when the Suns traded for Kevin Durant, pretty much the consensus, certainly Vegas, and I would say the vast majority of, you know, media folks and whatnot had the Suns as the distinctive favorite in the West at that point. Yeah, they spanked the Suns in six. Right, the Suns needed to get two historically 
prolific and efficient performances from Devin Booker to get two games in that series. The Lakers, dude, you know, LeBron and AD, like that, that's a duo to be reckoned with. And guess what? There was an NBA Today show where an entire panel picked the Lakers, not before the series. They picked the 12. 12th place Lakers at the time, maybe even 13th place. If there's a series of the Nuggets, who would win? Yep. All the hands went up for the Lakers. So I'm not trying to hear any criticism about all quality of opponent. To me, the question is, if you want to what if this, the what if is, hey, if Jamal Murray was healthy the last two years, would the Nuggets have already won a championship? And then the what if that we will find out is, is this the start of – you know, a, a multi-championship run for the Nuggets, because you look at this core, Joker just starting his prime, Murray just starting his prime, Gordon in his prime, Porter, uh, Michael Porter Jr. hadn't even hit his prime, uh, KCP, you know, nice piece. They'll, they'll almost certainly lose Bruce Brown this summer, which will sting, but, you know, they made that deal with Oklahoma City to get some extra picks. Christian Brown, they think, is ready for a bigger role. They like this Peyton Watson kid. The Nuggets are going to be a force to be reckoned with for a while, not just in the West, but, you know, in the league as a whole. Yeah, one of the things I saw, I think it I think it was Jamal Murray today. I wasn't at the media, but I was reading the quotes. I think it was Jamal Murray, but he said that Tim Connolly was still reaching out to him and supporting him. Tim Connolly, I mean, Calvin Booth, as you mentioned, McMahon, has done a great job building out the the – fringe of the roster, yep. the trade for KCP and the signing of Bruce Brown for the mini mid for the, you know, the taxpayer mid-level is just a terrific signing. Tim Connolly built this team mm-hmm. brilliantly. And, you know, part of it was put in a position, by the way, they, another thing that, um, that they did, uh, they picked up an extra first round pick in last year's draft. Um, they made a draft night trade. I can't even remember how the trade went, but I think they traded for Peyton Watson on draft night. And now they've made another move to pick up, I think, three extra picks in the next two drafts. I think they had. Yeah, they got a second this. They got a second year this year, a first next year, and then another second for a lightly protected future pick from Oklahoma City the other day. They might have also changed the protection on 2027 pick that they owe Oklahoma City. We haven't heard that aspect of that yet, so we'll see. the The balance of the trade indicates that they might have given us something, something, a little something else. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma City. Um, but hey, for a uh, team that's in their position, it's smart to get assets over the next couple of years that they can use absolutely. to, you know, bunch us out this roster. Because like Boy. you said, Tim, they're they're a team that you look over the next five years. We do these future power rankings once or twice a year and we look at them. I mean, Denver's all their guys are in their prime. They've got young guys coming behind them and they've got some salary decisions to make. But the core guys are there and locked in and, you know. There's no reason to think they're not going to be right here for a while. Well, if you ask people about Calvin Booth, one of the things that you hear is this guy loves scouting, loves scouting, loves, you know, looking at, at, at like, the, you know, I think they've got, what is it, the 40th pick. If it was 41, it'd be a future two-time MVP, but I think they've got the 40th pick in this Well, they just draft. got the 30, they just traded for, I think, the 35th or 37th pick, too. Yeah, so they're, you know, they probably feel like, hey, you know, we've got a pretty good chance to get, if not an immediate contributor, somebody who – you know, sooner than later might be able well, to. Not only that, I'm not there. sure that Calvin Booth was in Miami. I didn't see him there. And I think somebody told me he wasn't there for all the hmm. time because I think he was preparing for the draft. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think he's like, 
it's part of the job. That's what you got to do. uh, You're doing it right. Yeah, I suspect he'll be there on Monday night. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would I mean, recommend I, that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So, it'll, it'll be um, the highlight of his career. It'll it'll go over the uh, the game winner he hit in Utah to beat Carl Malone and John Stockton and deliver the first playoff series victory of the Dirk Nowitzki era in Dallas. I, I have no recollection that. of that. I wonder I if he forgot. remembers it. Oh, trust me, he remembers it. <laughs> I'm sure he Dallas does remember it well. That's yeah. in Dallas. Calvin Booth obviously is now known as the general manager of the soon-to-be, I believe, champion uh, Denver Nuggets. But in Dallas, he'll always be known for the shot that he hit. Uh, it was the it was the Mavericks' first playoff series win in a long, long time because, as you recall, they were awful <laughs> before the arrival of Dirk. Um, I will say this: we've said it repeatedly, and I'll say it one more time just to get it on the record before we wrap up. But if the Heat hit threes. Anything's possible. Well, Anything's look, possible. we said going into game four, they needed two things, right? They needed to shut down Jamal Murray and hit threes. And I know Jamal made a bunch of nice plays to get off the ball. Obviously, 12 assists and no turnovers is great. He still shot five for 17. Jokic still shot mm-hmm. eight for 19. They lost the game because they hit 25% of their threes. Like now, again, we're talking about having to, to walk a really thin line here. But if we know anything about the heat, they're not going to roll over. In game five, no, like they no. might not, they might not win. And I, I think we all agree. We expect Denver to win, but Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Kyle Lowry and these guys yeah. and Eric Spolstra, then they're going to be coming for bear in the game. And Denver's yeah, like, they, they had the they first four down, games. There will be haymakers gonna, thrown. No that's question. right. Denver's going to have to win the game, but you know, that's been the thing like about this series. Well, yeah. And that's been the thing about this series from the beginning in the earlier rounds, Miami was playing teams where they had multiple outs, right? They could play really well, and the team they were playing could shoot themselves in the foot. And Denver is just not going to do that. Well, there's a couple. I know, you know, the Joker, a notorious stat pattern. There's two very (laughs) critical statistical developments. to Wait, I know one of them. What's the second one? What's the first one? The first one's the, the tri- I saw you tweet about the triple double. He yes. needs 14 assists to get back to a triple double average. So what's the second right. one? He is now averaging 9.8 assists per game. He needs, uh, if they close it out in game five, he needs 14 assists to get to average that triple double. The second one. That's is, for the series, right? Or is that for the playoffs? No, that's, crazy. That's, for the, that. that's for the entire, no, that's for the entire playoff run. The series <laughs> he's, he's averaging like eight assists per game. Cause he had, oh. he had a couple of four assist games in the finals. Yeah. That's yeah. for the entire playoffs, which. I no nobody has ever averaged a triple double and won a champ a triple double for an entire playoffs and won a championship. I mean, this is you know this is virgin snow that insane touched here. <laughs> and then the uh, the other one is it, it's more like in. you want to see like like a virgin track where the track's just been plowed. That's what Jokic is so excited about a horse track. He doesn't care about skiing. I was trying to make like a. Colorado Denver reference, but okay, yeah. fine. You could we'll do some other horses. Colorado references, you know. About. <laughs> <laughs> What's his other stat? Uh, the, I want to know other this one, other stat. The other one, this one, uh, Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report pointed out, he has a one point edge on Jimmy Butler for the overall playoff scoring leader. 572 to 571 during these playoffs. As of now, Joker is leading the playoffs, all players. Points, rebounds, and assists. 
I mean, you want to talk about one of the most ridiculously dominant playoff runs in NBA history. That's what we are watching this dude try to put the finishing touches on tomorrow night. Okay, it goes back to what we talked about going into the playoffs where I thought he had as much pressure on him as anybody in the league because all the excuses were gone. The The team was healthy. They had the best record. Wes was down this year. Like, can Denver get over the line this year? And I think Jokic has answered every question and then some. I think that's putting it mildly. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone else. We always said, we always said, like, hey, three time MVP that's putting you in the company of Larry Bird and Wilt. Yep. I'm not saying he's like a top five player all time, but I'm saying he's got a chance to become one. Well, look, there's two, there's 12 guys who have won two MVPs and uh a title that's and i think and i think that might be like 11 because because carl malone won two mv oh no carl malone no carl malone didn't win a title do you have the Um, list of the 12 i had it i don't have right in front of me i think if two mvps a title and a finals mvp i think it might be 11 and there's one well, guy. I know there's. I know there's seven guys. I know there's seven guys that have won two Finals MVPs and two, um, two MVPs. Because I looked that up going into the. Yeah, well, you're knocking some playoffs. guys out of there for like Steph right. has not won two Finals MVPs. Um, right. But anyway, the point is he's do, he's going to do something that less than 15 guys have ever done if he wins a championship. Um. So. Um, it's it's a pretty you know just just using I think that. I think the yeah yeah it's, I'm looking at the list now um of multiple time so multiple guy multiple time MVPs who've won a title Kareem Bill Russell Michael Jordan Wilt LeBron Moses Malone Larry Bird Magic Johnson Bob Pettit Tim Duncan Ooh. Steph and Giannis it's a pretty good list not bad yeah, I don't. I don't know if there was a finals MVP for like when Bob Pettit won, was yeah, there a Pettit, finals? Yes. I mean, even if you want to take Russell. Yeah. Even if you want to take those three guys, even if, whether you include those three guys on the list or not, you're talking about an inner circle right. hall of fame list. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so, I mean, just, you don't even have to argue like you can just use that framework. Um, you're talking about an elite company. And as Bontem said, if he adds another one and then, you know, adds, a finals MVP. Now you're talking Uber, Uber, Uber elite, which I mean, he's got a shot. I, you know, I'm not going to rule anything out with him. So, um, that's, what's on the table. Um, the nuggets have been around for 47 years. Um, join the NBA. And we're in, and we're in the ABA and didn't win a title there either. Yeah. Um, 47 years since they joined the NBA, I think 50, I think they came in 68. So that would be like 53, no 50 something. 55. Um, 55. So they've been around for 55 Man, coming years in with the math. How about that? By the way, I think they made the ABA finals once, but they never won in the ABA. I believe they, either. I believe Larry Brown coached them in the final ABA finals against oh, the Nets. I believe Larry Brown, man, wearing some overalls probably. <laughs> yeah. It's a very iconic yeah. photo of him uh, in some overalls coaching that series. Yeah. So the point have is, either is you guys they, ever owned a pair of overalls? I have. Not to, not to my knowledge. He's a, my fa- he my farm a farm. Days. That's well, right. Middle school, middle school, the thing was you'd wear them like one strap down back in my my middle school days. But go on, I didn't be on your skateboard with your backwards hat too. That, that was, was that was more of like a you know 
hip hop wannabe type thing, but go on. McMahon, this might be striking the heart of your MO Texan, but have you ever worn, have you ever worn cowboy boots? I have. I was gifted a pair of cowboy boots because of the persona that you guys have bestowed upon me in this draft. So I have a pair of cowboy boots that I've worn a handful of times. Okay. I've never okay. rode a horse though. I did get kicked by one as a as a young chap though. But everything on. is explained. All this time on attempts, we never understood it. We got it. Finally, it finally all we've makes sense. All, All right, McMahon, we're so sorry. Everything we've said, it's we got it now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was a anyway, glancing blow. 55 years, <laughs> I'm sure. Probably hurt the 55, horse more than him. <laughs> 55 years that the Nuggets have been in existence, um, building towards an opportunity to win a championship on their home floor. It's very special. It we get bogged fun. down in the we get bogged down in the analysis, we get bogged down in the criticism. That's what we're supposed to do in what we do, but it is a, a moment that has been budding for a long time. And just with this group, forget about the guys in the seventies and eighties mm-hmm. with this group, you know, basically it started when they hired Michael Malone and drafted Jokic eight years ago. It's been an eight year run. They missed the playoffs. I think at one point I missed playoffs the first three years of Malone's tenure. Yeah. Um, the last year being when they lost the last day of the regular season to that, Jimmy Butler. Overtime yeah, game. The year before that's Minnesota. when the home crowd applauded when they got eliminated from playoff contention because right. Russ hit the uh, 35 yep. footer to cap off the I mean, record setting triple double and 50 point right. performance in, in, in that crazy comeback. Right. So these, so all, these are the kind of games we all do the job for. You see teams come over, come through a lot of stuff right. and get to moments like this. It's really neat. Tomorrow will be, it's tonight a, will be fun. I do it's it a truly organic championship. And it's like sort of a reminder that no matter where you are in the NBA, uh, no matter what your team is doing, them you know, small market, whatever, they're kind of proof that it can be done. You know, well, and you heard Will Hardy uh, when we had him talk about how massively hopeful this is for other small market franchises around the league right now. That this yeah. is a I don't really feel small, like Denver is that small of a market. It's a pretty big city. I mean, but it's uh, not. It's but, not. Denver will never. It's not be a glamour like market. A premier. Yeah, That's it's not right. a glamour. Yeah, we, you know what I'm saying. It's not like somewhere that's ever going to be right. You know, in the I, th- like, I, th- it, I think it might Denver be a is a bigger market city than Miami. Than Miami. Yeah, but Miami's a glamour market, right? Miami's right, a, a non-free agency destination. This is a organically grown. Their stars are, are drafted and developed. You know, the other key players are traded. Well, now it's now it's going to be three three going back to by Denver <laughs> for Game Seven. The way this last twenty minutes has gone, we should end here. <laughs> All right, and that's what we'll do. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to our guest, special guest, Nick Nurse. Thank you to Bon Tempson McMahon. I will say, I have lined up a guest for a pre, pre-Game 6 podcast. Is that a hmm. jinx? I don't know. No, no, no jinx. All right. McMahon. Adios, amigos.